Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, Bruno, NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the traps all about. You're in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers, running back. Tackle, quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. On a shady Saturday. Welcome back to the draft. All right, it's draft season. Cowboys Nation, we're here. We've got a mock draft from John Mishota to break down. Will Kevin KT Turner tear it apart? We'll talk about it on this episode of About Them Cowboys. Welcome back. It's Kent here producing and welcoming in two of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. KT has Grammy thoughts. Father John was in attendance for Coach K's last game. Maybe we'll get his experience on that at the end of the pod. But KT, it's draft season. It's my favorite time of the year. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you start the filling the buzz and all that stuff. And oh yeah, John's got us kind of situated there. As he wrote an article, uh, technically last week and at the end of last month. Uh, this kind of kind of came out at the end of March there, but it's basically a seven round mock draft. And John, usually when you do this, your method uh, methodology generally uh, you're kind of thinking about filling the Cowboys' needs up uh, most of the time when you're doing these things, right? Yeah, because I wanted to be not only give you an idea of potential players in certain situations, but also uh, give you an idea of like where they still need to fill out the rest of the roster. Because I'm not going to sit there and give them three linebackers because those are the best players that came available for me in the draft. That makes no sense, you know. And so I try and tie in uh, guys that are on their 30 visit list, positions of need, and then also, as you guys know, these different mock draft simulators like they can give you some just random players that you're like there's no way that guy's gonna be there in the fifth round there's no way that this guy's still gonna be there you know in the second round stuff like that so 
Uh, after it's over, generally what I do is I'll, I'll, I'll run it by Dane Brugler and be like, Hey, does this at least look somewhat realistic? And there's been times where he's come back and said, yeah, I don't know about this guy being here. You might want to move something around or something like that. And I'll adjust to that. I'm just trying to give fans something that like looks somewhat realistic that kind of give you, get you down the path of where uh, things could potentially fall. Well, and that begins with a very fun discussion because if the Cowboys pick at 24, if they stay at 24, uh, you have them taking the guy who I think would probably be my number one guy that's realistic who I want them to take. I was really stoked when I saw that that's who you picked. Uh, you went with Kenyon Green, the offensive guard from Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things match up there. Uh, certainly, I believe left guard is their biggest position of need. Even if they had resigned Connor Williams, the, the offensive line needs upgrades. But it's interesting, KT, that you say that it'd be your number one guy because, you know, I put out a list last week that I got of who their 30 visitors are. So it's, they have 28 on the list right now. And I think a couple of them are even local. So they have still room to add a couple of guys in, but this week they're doing 30 visits. And so when you say that, that Kenyon Green would be your number one, when I look at those 30 visits, I'm zeroed in at offensive guard with Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, both 30 visitors, but then I'm also at wide receiver. And so uh, three wide receivers that they brought in or are bringing in for 30 visits uh, are Chris Olave from Ohio State, Drake London from USC, and then Traylon Burks from Arkansas. So would you still take Kenyon Green over any of them if, if let's say, all of those were available? Well, I think I would personally, but a lot of that comes down to what do you think C.D. Lamb is, Right. Because if you're if you kind of feel like okay, Ceedee Lamb's the best football is yet to come, and we're about to see a huge step forward, then yeah, I think you're leaning towards offensive line. But if internally the Cowboys are like, hey man, we know what Ceedee Lamb is, we've got him, but you know we we could probably use a little more. Or the idea, you know, like when I think about wide receivers around the league, you know, Ceedee Lamb, how how quickly does he come up there? You know, and and look again, we understand that. He's uh, played at offenses where target share would be maybe more towards uh, Amari Cooper at times. And when you have Gallup is healthy, it, it doesn't always tell the whole story of what C.D. Lamb can do. But your confidence in what C.D. Lamb can turn into really, to me, kind of dictates how much time you're spending on wide receiver at 24. Would you agree with that? A little bit. I, I still think that wide receiver, because you're losing Amari Cooper, yeah, signing James Washington's fine. Um, and I can see him being a number three, but Michael Gallup is probably missing, you know, the first couple of games of the season. So with his knee injuries coming back from, you don't know exactly where he's going to be. He might not be all the way back for the first half of the season and, you know, to the player he was before. We don't know. He might be great. He might start week one. I, I don't know, but there's a, certainly an uncertainty factor there. And Mike McCarthy is a guy that he wants quality at his number three, number four wide receiver spots, because he knows defenses will take away what your one and two guys do. And there's going to be times in games where you need your three and your four to win matchups, particularly in the playoffs, because of they're playing other good teams. They have good defenses. They have good schemes. They they know what you're trying to do. And so I think that that receiver is still something that they would covet uh, or they do covet quite a bit. But just like I've talked about on here, I think you can get a guy to fill in that third receiver spot in the second or potentially the third round. It's do they want another, you take somebody at 24, that's another CD lamb. That's another guy capable yeah. of being number one. Traylon Burks, that could be a Debo Samuel for you. 
No, no, absolutely. And you could use him in so many ways. You could hand him the ball, right? There's there's a lot of things that you could do. And that opens up the door for Kellen to get a little creative. And, you know, I think Kellen's not dumb. I think Kellen knows a lot of the chatter and clearly knows the problems with the defense in the back half of, of this season. You know, one thing I'll, I'll go to there, though, you know, CeeDee Lamb, 74 catches in his rookie year, uh, 935 yards, five touchdowns. Then he went to 79 catches, over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. You know, so he improved. What kind of improvement are you expecting out of him? Are we talking five catches and 100 yards? Are we talking 10 catches? You know, uh, when I when I, when they drafted CeeDee Lamb, you know, uh, in 2020, I immediately kind of thought like, hey, man, this guy's got potential, you know, in an offense where he's the the uh, focal point in terms of targets. He's got potential to be a 100 reception guy. Um, that's just kind of what that his makeup is. You know, when you're sharing the load with Amari Cooper, it does like take those numbers down a little bit. And I don't know if, you know, where, where the Cowboys are internally, or I don't even know where Cowboys fans are internally. Are they confident that CeeDee Lamb is by far your number one wide receiver um, you're moving on. You're expecting huge things out of him. But the thing I keep going back to is you got to get a wide receiver. You got to get an offensive lineman. And I always feel like getting those offensive linemen a little bit early is you've, you've talked about this, this million times on here, John. Wide receivers later in the draft are going to be there for you. And look around the league. There's a lot of second round wide receivers who have popped. But I do get the, the tier that we're talking about at wide receiver. So, I, I mean, I get why it'd be a tough decision, but I think with a guy like Kenyon Green who can play both guard and tackle, protect you a little bit from potential injury issues there with Tyron. I I, I just I, – I love the player. I really love the player. When I watched uh, watched him, and I haven't watched as much as I have in past years, when I watched him, I was like, holy cow, man, this makes a ton of sense. Yeah, when you talk about the 100 receptions being that, you know, top 10 receiver, things like that, the only thing I will point out, because I think CeeDee Lamb's numbers will be pretty comparable to what they were this past year. And the reason I say that is because the head coach is the same, the offensive coordinator is yeah. the same, the quarterback's the same. I don't see the philosophy change there. To get those elite wide receiver numbers, the numbers that we've seen over the years put up by guys like Calvin Johnson, Devontae Adams, even when you know DeAndre Hopkins has been healthy, there's a lot of force feeding that goes on in games where you just know this guy is getting the ball a lot. When did we ever see that at all last year where you're just like, oh, this is the game where they're just going to, they love the matchup with Cooper, force feed. They love the matchup with CD. They're going to force feed. When Gallup was healthy, they don't do that. That's one of the biggest reasons Amari's not here any longer is because they weren't, if if they were going to force feed a wide receiver, I think you could justify the $20 million a year or 23, whatever it is, you know, over the years coming up. Um, but because they don't do that and they are more about spreading it out, it's, it's difficult for me to think that, you know, at the end of the season, we're going to look at C.D. Lamb and he's going to be up for the league lead in receptions or receiving yards. Okay, so on their list of uh, 30 visits, you said Burks, Drake London from USC, and Chris Olave from Ohio State, correct? Yeah. There's the three. So the other guys in that window, Garrett Wilson, who we feel like would probably go before then. Um, Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams deserves to be talked about there in my estimation. Yeah. Because without the ACL, I mean, he would have been my wide receiver one. I know a lot of people in the league might not agree with that, but he would have been my wide receiver one without the ACL. You talked about Traylon Burks. Does Drake London, Chris Olave feels like a little more speed, right? A little more well-rounded. Drake London's your big size guy. 
Yeah. Don't you think they feel like Gallup does a lot of that for them? The, you know, the one-on-one high point, the ball, the fade route, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think what happens is, you know, I, I do think that the favorite there at 24 is going to be an offensive lineman, like a Kenyon green. That's why you send, you know, Joe Philbin down to Texas A&M for the pro day. That's why you have him as one of your 30 visits. It seems like things line up with what other teams need that you're going to, you know, those offensive linemen are going to be there at 24, those interior guys, and you might be get your pick of all of them. Um, the one thing I'll say about them bringing in those three receivers is that, well, they obviously know what their strengths are. They've seen the college tape. They're bringing them in to see, hey, let's see, maybe one of these guys blows us away, and then maybe one of these guys, or maybe all who knows, maybe they you come away from the interview and being like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't take one of these guys at 24. They're not, yeah, no, I don't think they can handle being – you know, Cowboys, number one, number two, wide receiver type, or they bring them in. And, and well, like I said, one of the guys blows them away. If they sit there and they're like, man, the, tr- the tape with Traylon Burks is great. Uh, you know, we brought him in. He's great. Obviously John Steven Jones has been his teammate. Like, you know, Steven Jones goes to every Arkansas game. I mean, if any organization is going to know about Traylon Burks, it's going to be the Cowboys. Uh, and then the, and then the 30 visit, you know, blows him away and, and he ends up still being there and they're like, this is perfect, you know, and it's such a Cowboys thing. They'll be able to sit there and they'll sell the whole, like Jerry will sell right after the pick. They'll be like, you know, we lost in the playoffs to San Francisco and we loved how they used that Debo Samuel. And we saw this and he was there and he's going to be our Debo. I mean, you can literally just see it unfolding in that direction if he's there, but he's a, you know, he's a size guy, Traylon Burks. I, I went to the, uh, I went to the Arkansas A&M game with uh, Nick Eatman at Dallas Cowboys that mm-hmm. this year. And yeah, Traylon Burks is great. He's not a burner. Like he's not going to, you know, like Alave. Alave takes the top off the defense type like yeah. that. Burks is going to be more of your big physical guy. But I mean, great 50-50 balls. You'd love him in, in the red zone. You know, that you know you can point to that ever since Dez has been gone. They haven't been the same in the red zone. Maybe, maybe you want that. Maybe you want the bigger guy. Drake London certainly is a, is a basketball player with good size out on the field. I've watched him play a couple times before he got hurt this past year. Uh, so yeah, they're all a little bit different, but they're bringing them in because they think that there's a possibility that one, two, three of them could be there at 24 and they might look at them like, like a CD lamb, like, man, we didn't think this guy would be here. This is, we can, we can't pass up on this. So what would you do if you're the GM? If Burks, a lot of, I think Burks, you know, by talking to you here, Burks sounds like the guy you like the most Burks yeah. or Kenyon green. Uh, uh, me personally, you- I go Kenyon Green, and I just the reason I say it is just because of my beliefs on the wide receivers. I just, yeah, of course, like you know, you might not love John Mechie as much if he falls to you in the second round. You might not love some of those other wide receivers that are there in the second round or the third round as much, but I just feel like there's a better chance there's a decent wide receiver there in the second or third than the way I'm going to feel about my interior offensive lineman or off- offensive lineman in general. Charles Cross, you know, the offensive tackle. He's another guy that they brought in. You know, if he if he yeah. falls there, you're just like the positions are just too valuable. And the other part of it is is I do think Kellen's creative. I think there's ways they can add receiving weapons. To me, the most disappointing thing about this team last year was the offensive line. Everything I read about Kenyon Green, including I, I recommend anybody that cares about the draft, not just about the Cowboys, to read the piece that Bruce Feldman put up today on The Athletic. Yeah. He talks to multiple coaches that have seen all these guys play. The Kenyon Green uh, write-up that he has is very good. You should definitely check that out. It just it sounds like a guy that, you know, day one, you can plug him in at left guard and probably don't have to worry about that position for a long time. I love that idea. Yeah, and, and the thing with Kenyon Green that always stood out, though, is A&M and his time there. 
He played all five positions yeah. at some point. You know, did, I, I oh, did that. he play center too? I didn't know that. I think he played. I think he played okay. a little bit of center as a I know this past year he played four positions, but okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, that's cool. now. I, there's no expectation at all of him to play any uh, center in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the other thing I say is like the other uh, guys who they brought in uh, who are offensive line camps. You mentioned Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Um, you have uh, Zion Johnson, Boston College. Most people think. He's a guard, but he's another guy that could play guard and tackle. Um, it, it seems like even stronger than Kenyon Green, though, that people think he needs to be guard. And then uh, Bernhard Raymond, an offensive tackle from Central Michigan, that's a little more projectable, right? Uh, that guy's uh, you know, started playing football a little late in life, but he's probably a guy who's going to go somewhere in the first round there. Um, there's a lot there. I think Charles Cross is probably your more polished bet right there. If you need a tackle, but you know, <laughs> well, hey, real quick, KT, you know, you mentioned the, you know, you don't expect Kenyon Green to do any center. It is interesting too. Out of those twenty-eight names, two of them are centers. I mean, they're guys that are, you know, you wouldn't take these guys in the first round, you know. But yeah. there were a couple of centers there: Cam Jurgens from from Nebraska and uh, uh, Tech Dawson Deaton, yeah, Dawson Deaton, yep, from Tech, yeah. So obviously they're not going to waste their time bringing in a guy just for like, yeah, we'll just bring him in. It'll be a smoke screen. We don't really don't. We're fine with Biotish. Like you're bringing those in there because you're looking at a guy that you want to give Biotish some competition. I know it's just like, I, I bring it up a lot and I'm sorry, I apologize to anyone who just gets tired of me bringing up the team. But when Elton Jenkins is playing left guard and then David Bakhtiari got hurt at left tackle and then it was just like a seamless transition. Oh, okay. You go play a left tackle. Or when, you know, the center got hurt for a few plays. I mean, for like two games, Elton Jenkins went and played center. Like, I'm not saying Kenyon Green can do that. But, like, just that is just so valuable to, in a pinch, go, oh, yeah, come on out here and we'll slide another left guard in there. It's just so valuable to have a guy who could do that, have confidence in his assignments. That's a part of it, you know. Confidence that they're going to remember and retain everything. And, you know, everything you hear about Kenyon Green is that's not a problem either. You know, he's a very smart guy. So uh, I like what you did there with Kenyon Green, uh, put it that way. Let's slide up to round two, though. Pick number 56. We're going to go ahead and get the wide receiver from Alabama, but it's not Jamison Williams. It's John Mechie. Um, is it Michi or Mechie? You uh, hear it, the way that they always say during the games, college football games this year, was always Mechie. It's so Mechie. Kind of Zend- Zendaya is Michi. Michi. That's Zendaya's last name? That's a joke for like four people. It's Zendaya, right? What is her last name? Zendaya. I don't know. It's just it's just Zendaya. It's just she's like McLovin. No, it's, just, it's a normal. Is name. it really? <laughs> it's like Zendaya Coleman. Yeah, I yeah. looked this up. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, Coleman. Yeah, I Turner? looked that up like three weeks ago. Very basic. Turner. Zendaya. Of course. You well, gotta be a real. It? You gotta be a real badass. To go by only one name. Yeah, no, well, for us, if we just went as Kent, John, or Kevin, that wouldn't really stand out well, too. Your first name has to be real awesome. Yeah, um, that's true. That's a good point, yeah. Like, I saw, an inter- I saw an interview that Ariana Grande was thinking about just by going by Ariana. Like, I think she could probably pull that off. I think enough people know who she is that it probably would work now. Yeah, I'm that sorry, would work I took it down her. this. <laughs> I don't know that why I took it down this. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk right, John Mechie. <laughs> go on, John Mechie, go uh, you know, 96 catches last year, eight touchdowns. Very, very good player. Um, I don't know. 
I don't really know where his range is, you know, based on him getting hurt. I mean, we always talk about Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams was always thought of higher than Mechie. So I don't really have a good feel for that range. Second round, late second round, does sound like that could be about right. Um, that's a very interesting fit. It would be I, I would I'm all on board for with them pulling the trigger on a wide receiver, you know, day two. I, I think that's a great plan. Well, and then day two with them that they seem to always have some interesting guys that have fallen because of injury. Uh, John Mechie, as far as I'm concerned, from watching Alabama this year, uh, you know, he doesn't get hurt in the SEC championship game. I think the national championship game is a lot closer. I'm not saying Bama beats Georgia. I, I just think it's closer. Mechie was, a, was an outstanding player. And the other factor in it is that if any of if all of that stuff happens, he's not hurt. You have no chance of getting him in the second round. And you might still not. He might still be an early second round pick. Um, and so that's why my third round pick could end up being a guy that maybe they take in the second. But Mechie was, to me, the best receiver that was on the board by far. And I just have seen him play at a very high level. Uh, and it just the how ironic would be that the Cowboys spend another second round pick and a guy's got had just coming off an injury. And then also it would be in a way you'd be replacing an Alabama wide receiver with an Alabama wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, Mike McCarthy was at Alabama's pro day. Not a, not a surprise or whatever. But, um, you know, from the last stuff, I've, the most recent stuff that I've read about Mechie is that he's on track to. Uh, be ready for training camp. So this isn't going to be one of those things where you're like, all of a sudden you're drafting somebody and you're like, okay, so they're not going to have him or Gallup week one. Like when are they going to have this guy? That's from what I've heard about Mechie. He's supposed to be ready to roll. So he says training camp, let's say maybe he's a little bit, you know, that's a little aggressive. It's still the expectation. He'll be ready to start the season. It's a little interesting that they, on their at least 30 man list, um, you don't, you have those top tier guys at wide receiver. Yeah, and then you don't have any of those top tier guys. Yeah, I mean those uh, those second tier guys or second round type guys yeah. on the list. Like, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, who's the that, kid from Penn State? Dotson, Jahan Dotson, and you know, yeah. what what range are we talking about with him? Twenty five to sixty, yeah. you know, right around there. Um, that's a little interesting. I know I said because the Cowboys, uh, not always. Uh, these are always like there's a lot of evidence on these. You know, and over the years of time, you can look at everything, but they have in the past telegraphed their options through their visit. Yeah, list. well, going back to Jalen Smith, I mean, that one, yeah. I, I, I might, I hate to just oversell this, but in my time covering the Cowboys, I feel pretty comfortable saying Jalen Smith is the most surprising pick that I've, that, I, that they've made in my time covering the Cowboys. Yeah. I did not expect that at all, that there was no... Uh, smoke screen to that. The, the only thing that you had the connection with, and even that didn't do anything, was that you know the person who did the surgery obviously is a uh, you know one of the team surgeons for the Cowboys, and so you're like, oh, so they're going to have good intel, obviously. But w- I just remember very well, and I'm sure Kent does too, being at that combine, and it just was when you would hear about Jalen Smith, it was a lot of he might never play football again. Like it was it a was, lot of like he probably won't even get drafted. So yeah, if a team takes bad. a chance on him after the draft, then that's a that's that's an admirable thing to do. And then here are the Cowboys spinning a second round pick on him. It's like wow. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm just not ruling out that possibility. You know that they could potentially be there could be eye in somebody. Maybe they are eye in Mechie. Maybe they are eye in. Dotson or something like that. It's like, well, why yeah. telegraph it? We really need some stuff to fall into place for that guy to fall to us. So, you know. Well, the storybooks have it too. Is Emmanuel Ogba um, from o- Oklahoma State and Kevin Dodd from Clemson were guys that they were interested in. Yeah. With those are stupid. And those guys were 30 visits as well. Right. 
And then those two went, they went one, two to start that second round. And then, you know, but you know, I, I, I think, I think Mitchie, what we have here now, we've got the offensive line. We've got the wide receiver covered. I, one thing I was thinking though, when, when they get these 30 visits, they could kind of like, okay, who knows? Maybe they internally feel great about James Washington. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's yeah. like, oh, look at what value do we get here? You know, I'll just say with him, the, the, it's only a one year, very minimal deal. The other thing is too, is that, you know, he, he didn't feel like we got a chance to talk to him on a conference call recently and he didn't feel like, you know, he showed what he can do. And it was the player he was at Oklahoma State when he was with the Steelers. And so he specifically said, I want to be the player that I was at Oklahoma State and still thinks he can do that. The only thing I'll say to you is that find me a team that drafts better at wide receiver than the, than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, you know, yeah. this isn't this isn't they're signing James Washington because things didn't work out in Detroit. You know, I mean, the Steelers have been notorious for finding wide receivers out, especially outside the first round that end up being really good. And this has been going on for a long time in that organization. So, yeah, maybe they do. Um, but since we're talking about this, though, KT, because uh, I just wanted to throw in a couple other names, just uh, to get your take on yeah. two other wide receivers. Uh, I don't think any of them would fall to them in the second round just off of people are talking right now. But your thoughts on uh, George Pickens and, and Sky Moore. I love Sky Moore. Uh, George Pickens, I think, like, th- th- I don't see, like, ex- explosive player there, right? Yeah. Like, George Pickens, from what I've seen, is just kind of very standard, very reliable guy. But almost like Gallup light, and I would say less at- athleticism, you know? Okay. Uh, coming out of Colorado State with, with Michael Gallup. But I feel like, you know, you'll get 6'3", 200, right around there. You know, kind of same type of size, same type of build. But – the thing George Pickens does come up a lot is, by the way, is George Pickens the son of Carl Pickens, the former Bengals great? You know, I don't know that, but I have the internet, so I'm sure that this will pop up if that's the case. But um, it'll be in the beast. I know he was dealing with an ACL injury, I believe. Yeah, he was hurt, and, that, and that's why I kept, he only played yeah. two or three uh, games last year. I, I The tape I watched on him is not from 2021. It's from 2020. Yeah. So, and, you know, I don't – he he didn't have like – crazy crazy numbers or anything but you know they're running the ball a lot at georgia too um sky williams to me is a guy who you're the one thing that you'll might knock on him is that he's a little undersized maybe you know at five nine you know but i think he tested really well at the combine and when you watch him you just see a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything he'll play a lot of inside you know playing uh, inside the slot for you but i think like the other guy I like is Jalen Tolbert too, and I don't think people are talking about him much. He's the South Alabama guy, but I don't know if they're going to be interested in a smaller guy because you know they're going to have C.D. Lamb in the slot quite a bit. That's my kind of that's kind of my big question is would they take a slot guy seriously? You know, I did yeah. hear. Uh, off, I don't know if you heard this. Did you hear any like off the record ch- chatter or anything? Not off the record chatter, but any chatter out there in Cowboy Land about? The idea of maybe bringing Cole Beasley back? Did, At the combine, I, I will say it sounded like uh, there was no chance that that would happen. So maybe maybe things have changed. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, here's the other thing. Like combine, it's a good time to get information. There's obviously a lot of people there, agents, you know, uh, you know, people from not just the Cowboys, but other organizations, scouts. You know, I mean, everybody's there that would be involved in these decisions. So you hear certain things. But – that I mean, the way that this cycle goes, that stuff even then can change so much because it could be just as simple as, you know, the Cowboys thought there'd be better wide receiver options out there than maybe even a James Washington. And maybe a James Washington is kind of 
well, we better do at least this right now because we thought we'd have better options. You know, there was that report floated out earlier today from, uh, and not floated out. I mean, he reported it, uh, Adam Schefter, that the Cowboys, one of the teams that were interested in, in making a move to get Devontae Parker from, from Miami. Yeah. And, uh, whether the, you know, the seriousness, we don't know, but he, you know, he tweeted that out and that, I don't think it should come as a huge surprise because like I said, I have them taking Mechie in the second round and wouldn't be surprised to take a wide receiver at 24 wide receiver is still very much a need. I'm very clear about that as in, as is, and I've had this issue on, on Twitter. I don't know if you've experienced the same KT, but like there are people that just don't understand like the need for them to still address tight end. Like people think that the franchise tag on Dalton Schultz is, Oh yeah. Problem solved at tight end. Problem solved. Well, problem's not solved. Okay. Problem's not solved. (laughs) Um, I always think of that part from Wedding Crashers when they're like, no, they got clothes. We can go over there. Everything's fine. Yeah, see, everything's fine. Problem solved. Problem solved. No, no, no. Problem's not solved. Problem's not solved. And it's not here. It's not. They thought they were going to have Blake Jarwin for another couple, two, three years. Like, and they're not. And so, yeah, you can be excited about the future of Sean McEwen. You can be excited of the future of Dalton Schultz. What if you don't get a long-term deal done with Dalton Schultz by July 15th? There's a good chance he goes to free agency and gets more money offered to him by another team. Then where are you at tight end? You know, and this isn't a great tight end draft, but you certainly have to address tight end with one of these nine picks. Yeah, you know, I um, I think that's something that I would rather do later, though, than round two if you haven't done anything at wide receiver. That Devontae Parker thing might make sense. Maybe they're like, okay, let's maybe find a way. Maybe uh, wide receivers come available in free agency or we have we have some type of uh, way to get a, a deal done for a guy, still keep our cap room where it's at. And then that's why, you know, we're looking at the top tier guys and we brought those guys in, but otherwise maybe we're not interested. So I don't know. Uh, Sky Moore for me, I'm looking at my list here, is I have him as my sixth wide receiver. Uh, and yeah, I went this year, probably this year play I didn't if... do 300 players like I normally do. I did like usually like top 10 at each position right yeah. around there. The thing is just like, like you, I, you know, I mentioned Jalen Smith earlier. I mean, even to get a guy like Jalen Smith, I mean, you had to be drafted high in the second round. That's why it's like a David Ojabu from Michigan. Like, yeah, the yeah. Achilles injury is going to knock him, but the Cowboys are picking late, you know, mid late sure. round. Like they're not going to be up there to, to make a move for that. That's why I just don't think sky Moore is even realistic for him. Cause it seems like sky Moore is in a slot where he's going to go. If the, if the Cowboys want sky Moore, they're going to have to take him at 24 is what I'm saying. And I, I don't think they're going to take sky Moore. No. And that's, and that's probably too early to take him. Yeah. Probably. Um, all these what, second round, all these second round guys, uh, all those second round guys, though, if they trade it back, KT. What? So we're talking. What if they just trade it back to like twenty eight? You cool there, would, or do you have to go further back? I don't that? think I would do first round on him. Yeah, I think I think it's somewhere that's probably thirty five to forty. Okay, you give me give me a little bit of a range there. Yeah, but it's like if you if you like him at thirty five to forty, then you take him at twenty eight. That that's the argument that you'll hear from uh, other people. But I just, let me just say with them that it's much. that position is the problem too. Like right, I just sure. like. If it's not um, you, well, then then Dotson fell or Tolbert fell or, you know. Yeah. The other thing, though, I, it has to be factored in here that I haven't heard many people talk about, but it's just something that's kind of been on my mind lately is, you know, I mentioned the thing about the trading back. Uh, mm-hmm. Out of my time covering this team, this is one of the least, my percentage of them trading back in that first round is as low as it's ever been. They know yeah. they need an impact player. If, they, if, if, it, if you hear the Cowboys are involved in trade talks with 24, I feel like it's to move up. Because they're not yeah. making big moves in free agency. They're kind of just re-signing their own, like they said. Like, 
this would be your this is this pick at 24 is like your biggest chess piece. And I mean, and you got Jerry at the owner owners meetings last week. And when he talks about the direction that they could go at 24, you know, he mentions, oh, things could change if there's a Micah Parsons or a CD lamb, you know, and yeah. those are premium first round picks. I don't see them trading back. And the reason I bring that up is because, like, you know, obviously that year with Travis Frederick, they trade back at the end of the first round. You know, they could have taken Eric Reed at their pick. They traded back at Frederick. Obviously, that ended up being a good move at the time, but I don't see this team moving back. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. I don't either. I was thinking about that trade that the the Saints and Eagles did today and was like, that might be an area where they may try to go up to. Sure. Um, if there's someone they love. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Round three on your uh, little seven-round mock that you put out uh, towards the end of last week. Uh, number 88 is the pick. It's Sam Williams, defensive end of Ole Miss. He's one of their 30 visits. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. There's just connections with him and the Cowboys, so they're, they're, it yeah. made some sense there. Uh, you know, in the comments section of that article, I, I'm pretty sure there's some people mentioning that I don't think there's any chance he'd be there. Maybe he'd be somebody that'd take in the second round. Hey, I don't know, but I think that's the range, second, third round for somebody like that. And this could be a guy, I mean, 
there's video out from his pro day where, you know, Dan Quinn's there, you know, putting him through some drills and things like that. He had said, Sam Williams has said that, you know, Jerry talked to him about how they need it. They're looking for another Micah Parsons, you know, another, you know, big time impact, you know, young defender and things like that. And so uh, it just, the connections kind of made sense there. And I would put edge rusher right now in terms of positions of need, it's right in the conversation after offensive line for me. I mean, you can put it with wide receiver, whatever, like, you know, just the way I look at the way the roster is structured. Yeah. You have Dorrance Armstrong for two more years, but you know, Demarcus Lawrence is 30, you know, he's had his, he's had injuries, you know, you have Basham for one more year and then you have, you, you do a one-year deal with Fowler. And then what else do you have in the Chauncey Golston? Like that's all you, that's it. That's what you have at end. And you, and you're adamant and you've been loud and clear that you want to keep Mike at, at linebacker, even though he'll still rush from time to time, but you still want him to be a linebacker. So you gotta, you better get another edge rusher. Well, the, the other name that I would throw out there at that time, and I feel like he probably goes earlier too, but I think he got, he had hurt or he had something happen. It was, uh, my guy, I don't know how to say his name. It's Sanders from Cincinnati. It's M Y J A I. I mean, okay. this is a guy who considered coming out last year and didn't do it. Um, cause I remember watching him last year. Um, and, but he's a guy, another guy who's on their 30 visit. And I think the thing you're talking about to six, three, six, four, the two forty, two fifty, two sixty guys. They're not looking for the 285, the 290 pound or the 280 pound guys, you know, uh, like that, you know, like Osa. Now we think of Osa as more of a defensive tackle, you know, things like that. But Chauncey, uh, Golston is another guy was a little bit heavier. Um, I think those are kind of the, the guys to keep an eye on there. It's Sanders. Sanders did not have a great year. He only had two and a half sacks. He had seven sacks last year. Um, uh, but he was in the news recently for something and I don't think it was good, but I don't remember off the top of my head because uh, I'm losing my mind and I've lost all concept of time. Um, but okay, well, yeah. let me throw out, let me throw out a couple of guys then, you know, we can bump it up. Uh, cause just cause we're talking about edge rusher, you uh-huh. know, I have seen some mock drafts. How do you feel about 24 boy, Mafe from Minnesota, six, four, two sixty one that's a guy that's not going to be there or most likely not going to be there in the second round. You'd have to do probably something there in the first round. And then the other one is that Abakite guy from Penn state. Did you mention him just now? I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, you no I, di- I didn't. Um, you mentioned uh, the South Carolina kid, right? Um, Kingsley and Igbari. I didn't, I didn't say him either. And then uh, those guys are kind of in an area to me where 24 is a little too early. Sure. Now, hey, the draft may happen. These guys start flying off the boards, and you're like, oh, boy. I, I've kind of got a line there. Like, and I don't – here's the thing. There are years like where I get this way where it's like, I don't love the guy who's there, but it's probably the right place to take him. Carl Aftis. I was just going to bring him up, too. What do you feel about that? Like, if he's there, probably the spot for him. I watch him, and I still want to see more. You know, uh, there's things about him that kind of just make me nervous, but also everything you hear about him is pretty good off the field and not, I'm not talking about character. I'm just like all the things that you want, come in, be a leader of the defense type, type those traits or whatever. Yeah. Um, so man, that's my line though, but like, um, I struggle with his name, the Penn state kid, Ebikite. I like him yeah, more Ebikite, than Mafe. Yeah. Um, I like him more than Logan Hall from Houston. Although Logan Hall feels like a three-four guy, uh, he's mm-hmm. real, real tall. Um, so, like I, you know, I, I'm still leaning offensive line. That's just yeah. me. Yeah, that's where I'm at. 
that's where I'm at. Um, let's go to round four here. Let's go to round four. And Sam Williams there. I mean, I also have a hard time talking about anyone following when Trayvon Diggs fell to the second round. You know, yeah. any certainty in, in the draft is kind of crazy after that. Fourth round, number 129. Yeah, is, you uh, saying the Diggs is a great segue to this one. Well, uh, cornerback from Cincinnati. And something happened in Cincinnati. It's Kobe Bryant. I knew, I knew, I knew where this is going. But no, um, I think this this is probably unrealistic that he'd fall this far. But because of the Trayvon Diggs thing, you just never know, you know, uh, yeah. with some of these corners and things like that. So I had him there, but yeah, I, I don't think that he'll be there at that level. And also, corner is one of the b- better positions this team has on the roster because they still have high hopes for Kelvin Joseph. You have Trayvon Diggs, obviously, he's not going anywhere, and you still have, you know, you still have. Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown. I mean, they're obviously planning on being part of this team. They just changed their numbers uh, that came out recently. Anthony Brown uh, is going to be wearing number three now, and Jordan uh, oh, Lewis no. is wearing number two. Uh, oh, guys, let's stop so, that. <laughs> yeah. So uh didn't work out so well for Jordan Lewis. I mean, I'm sorry, for uh, um, Jalen Smith. Going did for Trevon Diggs. But it did for Trayvon Diggs, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, corner isn't a major significant need but with the way defense are played nowadays you definitely need at least three good corners and i feel like in this situation if you had a kobe bryant there like you're gonna take him yeah you gotta take a kobe if you get a kobe on day three you're like what (laughs) how how bummed are the cowboys that they don't have like a premium pick this year and they need a corner because sauce gardner seems like a Cowboys would love to have a guy like that again, you know, like opposite Trevon Diggs would have been. I'm all set on, awesome. on the corners, not named Jalen Ramsey, drafting them as high as a Sauce Gardner's got to go. I'm just good. The Stingley, Sauce Gardner's, I'm, I'm all about, no, 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 no. You go take D Milner and let's see how it works. Like, I just, I'm not trying to do that. Jeff Okuda. Yeah. I mean, hey, and, and believe me, you can argue, hey, you know, the Cowboys don't take CD Lamb there. They're probably taking, let's say Lamb's gone, they're probably taking Trayvon Diggs there. And you can make the argument for, uh, and, and obviously that'd be a great pick. Nobody would, nobody would uh, say anything different about that. And then obviously uh, if they didn't take Trayvon Diggs or CeeDee Lamb there, they could have taken, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Clemson corner uh, with the Falcons took. I can't think of his name. I'm drawing a blank now. Um, really good corner. Yeah. AJ what is Terrell. his name? AJ Terrell. Yeah. They could have yeah. taken him there and nobody would say anything. They would be like, this is great. I mean, he'd sell a ton of Cowboys jerseys. People would be happy. They'd be talking about how AJ Terrell is going to be their, uh, you know, shutdown corner for the next 10 years, you know, but that top 10 corner stuff, you know, I'm Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, and that's about it for me up there. Well, according to Sauce, he's the best player in the draft. Okay, cool. I think that's a fair argument. I like I like the uh, I like the mocks projecting him to the Jets. That seems like something that a Jets would do. That does feel like a Jets thing. Go get him. Have I think back. I would say, though, at 24, you know, they only had one guy on their 30 list that's a corner, Darren Bland from Fresno State, but he's a clear day three guy. But yeah, d- does a, let's say, uh, not likely, but a Stingley from LSU, hmm. one of the Washington, let's say, uh, let's say one of the Washington guys are there. Uh, not, I would say probably the, probably Gordon, who's a little taller. I mean, they're both, they're both six foot, 190 something, right? Both yeah, the, the Washington corners. Sauce will be the first corner taken. Most like Andrew Booth, a good old player from Clemson. That's probably where I'll cut off the line, right? Yeah, I'll cut off the line. But the the top tier of corners. Yeah, how 
you don't get the guy you want at wide receiver, maybe you're thinking offensive line is maybe going to stretch a little bit. Would you pull the trigger on corner? Um, I probably would. Stingley really jumps out to me if they really felt like, I mean, there's definitely, you can find some highlights out there where he just gets wrecked this past season at, at LSU. There's definitely some questionable plays that he has out there. But if you think that he can be a premium shutdown corner, I'm not opposed to that. If everything else is wiped out, you know, like Kenyon Green's gone and and uh, all those edge rushers are gone and and the receivers are gone, which is, this is not that unrealistic to say because the key thing in this draft is, this is like one of the worst quarterback drafts. So you're not going to have those two or three quarterbacks that generally go that high that will push other players back. That's in the back of my mind. So for forcing certain guys to be there that you might not be in love with. The other thing is that Ojabo injury because David Ojabo doesn't get that Achilles injury. I don't even think he's there at 24, but he's a top 20 pick pushes another player down to you. So the quarterback situation, like if you're a Cowboys fan, you obviously want to hear all kinds of stuff about teams trading up to get Kenny Pickett or, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Malik, uh, Malik, uh, like crazy Malik Willis. Yeah, yeah, Malik Willis. Like you want to see all of that, you know, because then that pushes other good players back to you. But man, I don't know about that. I, I personally think only one quarterback is going to go before the Cowboys pick. So. Yeah, no, that, we might be in that situation. Stingley is a good one, though. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is one of those where you sit there and you're like, man, especially if all the other positions are wiped out, you're just like, man, is this three years in a row where we're just like, man, we didn't think this guy was going to be here. Like, yeah, we got Trayvon Diggs, but man, you do need good three good corners nowadays. Like, who knows, you know? Well, yeah, that means you have, you have to bank on Kelvin Joseph, which kind of... Yeah. Kind of rolling. You're still kind of banking on him a little bit. Anthony Brown, George Lewis, you know, we know they're good players. But um, round five, Max Mitchell. Little offensive tackle here, 155. I love the day three offensive lineman picks. I think you can find yeah, some good you stuff there. The Green Bay Packers, and they're like as good as it gets at finding hey, players there. That's why I tell Cowboys fans, your coach is my coach. I mean, yeah. I, this is my original coach. Uh, actually, well, I can tell you this, most, but, you know. <laughs> I, I understand the people that'll say, well, no, we need to address this offensive line. We have to do it in the first round. Well, you can look at what the Packers have done and you can sit there and say, oh, cool. I'm sick of hearing about what McCarthy did with the Packers. He didn't have the same say. Okay. But they might've found a starting offensive lineman for the next seven, eight years in Terrence Steele as an undrafted rookie free agent. When is Absolutely. the last time that's been happening in Dallas? It just, I feel like, everything that the Cowboys do on the offensive line for a long time has been like, you got to do it in the first, like first round or the second round at the, at the latest, because we need to do, they found an undrafted rookie free agent in Terrence Steele that could potentially go on to be a guy. I'm telling you this right now from people in the organization believe that he's like a 10 year player in the NFL. Like they, that he's a big reason that they moved on from Lyle Collins. And on that real quick, I also wanted to mention about the first round guys that we didn't touch on. Speaking of things that are very uncowboys like from what we've watched over the years, another name that was on that 30 visit list that is just, if that was the pick, we would really just, our heads would be spinning. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle from Georgia. The yeah. Cowboys, we don't even know of the Cowboys in our lives. I mean, Russell, Maryland, but you know, like recently taking off, I'm taking a defensive tackle at 24. Like, what would your thoughts be on that? Man, I mean, he's awesome, so I think I would love it because I think you're just helping out the defense in a big way, and it makes everyone have to become, like, way less responsible in what they do. I mean, can you imagine 
plugging a hole with Jordan Davis and then you maybe put Micah Parsons right behind him coming yeah. in off a of blitz or, you know, the things that you could do. So, yeah, still skeptical, like you said, on what their attitude would be. Uh, also on that list is DeMarvin Leal. Um, and DeMarvin Leal's from uh, Texas A&M. And, you know, I I still kind of like late 20s, early 30s for DeMarvin Leal, but they're bringing him in for a reason. And yeah. again, like, well, so, and I, I wanted to bring this up because we were talking about the offensive line and it got me thinking about this again, you got to think like we're thinking typical Cowboys and there's no question the Cowboys allow their coaching staff to have a major say. And in green Bay, you're talking about a team that they invested a high pick in BJ Raji. They invested a high pick. I mean, 27 on Kenny Clark, like there obviously was value to them at defensive tackle. I'm not saying that they do the same things now with the Cowboys that McCarthy was doing with Green Bay, but he obviously saw the value there. You can go look at the draft history of the Dallas Cowboys. Go through round one. You're not going to see very many defensive tackles there. Go ahead. You'll yeah. go all the way back to Russell Maryland. Well, no, no, you're, you're right. In fact, I, I pulled this up. So McCarthy, I think 07 was his first year, I believe. Alan Barber was a fourth round pick in 07. He played. Josh Sitton, he played. 08. 09. Um, TJ Lang, fourth round. Yeah. Marshall Newhouse, fifth round. He started in the Super Bowl, right? Um, looking for defensive tackles too while I'm here, though. Like they also, def- when you mentioned the offensive line, no, we'll stick to that second. You know, but he also did do back to back, you know, first round picks where it's not like he didn't prioritize offensive line in the first round. There is a Brian Balaga. There is the very next year they go with, I think it was Derek Sherrod. It didn't work out. I think that's how you say his last name. But like that one didn't work out. Balaga was fine. But like he did still, there is still evidence of that he'll invest a first round pick in offensive line, even though they've been fantastic in the the fourth and fifth round. 2013, David Bakhtiari, JC Treader. Amazing. Both in the fourth round. What an amazing, (laughs) I mean, that's wild. That is such luck. Can you just 20, imagine? 20, hey, hey, 2014, Corey Lindsley at center. All right. So literally, you know what the equivalent to that would be with this current team? That we're sitting here five years from now doing whatever is the next thing that's been added on to podcasting. And we're talking about how their off, starting offensive tackles are literally Terrence Steele and Josh Ball. Can you just like that just seems so uncowboys like for that to be the case. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that would happen. No. Hi, another example, though, that could uh, pair over with you, 2016, uh, Kenny Clark, pick 27. Yeah. At DT. So, you know, that's, uh, yeah, there's there, there are things I've yet to see how much. The correlation has been kind of surprising, though, with these rosters, too, though. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Max Mitchell, I love it. Fifth round. Okay. We're going to... Uh, uh, Damon Clark, linebacker LSU. Damon with an E on the end. Yeah. Uh, they always take a linebacker on day three. Yeah, and it's an injury guy. Probably going to miss the entire season. Had some uh, back issues. He had like a fusion surgery, but is supposed to be ready to go the following year. And he just was super productive at LSU. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys have shown the track records, but especially since Will McClay's been in charge of the draft. Big school guys. Linebacker, you would probably prefer to have a guy that can play right away. You know, they need somebody to kind of step in and really fill Jabril Cox's role. Because I think with the latter, what happens is Jabril Cox fills in for the Keanu Neal role. And then you brought back Leighton Van Der Esch, you have Micah Parsons, uh, and you brought back Luke Gifford. You still need another linebacker there. It just that, again, just like the last pick uh, at offensive tackle, it just seemed like great value for those players to be there. But an injury guy like that, that might fall around 
or so more. Just seems like a Cowboys type pick. Fifth round, 176, Hassan Haskins running back from Michigan. Uh, obviously, we know we're set at running back, but they'll probably still uh, take one. Uh, and it never hurts to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but KT, are you set at running back for how long? Well, one more They're, year. Whoever yeah. uh, they could take you're a running cutting, you're back. You're cutting Zeke after this year. You're cu- and and Tony Pollard's in the last year of his rookie deal. You literally could be drafting a running back in this draft to be your starter for the next four years. What yeah. was what was McCarthy like on running back in in uh, um, Green Bay? Other than Lacey, like I don't remember them having. He drafted James- Aaron Jones, didn't he? Brandon Jackson, they they took. Um, he drafted uh, Aaron Jones, wasn't he the coach? Brand, Brandon Jackson, second round, 07. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Fifth, nothing. Uh, James Stark, sixth, uh, sixth round, 2010. I mean, okay. James Stark started a Super Bowl for him. Uh, they did a third round running back named Alex Green out of Hawaii in 2011 that didn't work out for him. Okay. Um, Jonathan Franklin, fourth round. Oh, Eddie Lacy was there. Yeah, 2013, yeah. second round. But what about not Aaron a Jones? lot of running? Not a lot of running back. Aaron Jones was like sixth or seventh round. Yeah, and then McCarthy 20th. was the coach when they drafted him, right? I yes. think he was. Yeah, yeah, they took Jamal Williams too, if you remember, in the fourth yeah. round of that year, and Aaron Jones in the fifth round. Mike, and go then, find another Aaron Jones. Montgomery <laughs> was playing running back for them for a long time, right? Was he a receiver? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 playing yeah. running back. Yeah, they were just go going find another Aaron Jones. Is it that hard? <laughs> Give me another it's fifth easy. round, Aaron Jones. <laughs> uh, fifth round, 178, Jalen Weidermeyer, the tight end from Texas A&M. Yeah, he was a visit guy, too. That's why that one kind of made sense. That makes sense. Here's yeah. a question on the visits. I heard Dane talking about Weidermeyer last week as one of the most disappointing yeah. uh, prospects in terms of what they expected and what they got at the combine and stuff. And he was saying he might go undrafted. So is yeah. that a waste of a 30 visit on a guy that – might go undrafted, or do they work these guys out and they can really see, oh, should we spend a pick on this guy? Oh, no, no, no. They've definitely had 30 visits with guys that weren't drafted before. That's That wouldn't be any type of an, an outlier. Um, but, and also, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't find, like, I do think that Sean McCune is a solid tight end. They got him as an undrafted guy. I just yeah. don't know that he is, like, your number one, you know, or or maybe even two. His, his ideal spot could be, like, being their three tight end who, he can come in in certain packages. He can come in if, if a guy gets hurt, and then he can play a bunch on special teams. But I think you need to find another pass catcher that might be a little bit more productive where, I mean, Kent, you know with AM, I mean, the numbers I mean, that— Weidermeyer certainly flashed. I, yeah, I mean, and his was, numbers are very uh, consistent year after year, yeah. you know? Doesn't it feel like they would like a guy tight end fourth round? Because you look at their visits. You know, Jeremy Ruckert yeah. from Ohio State could fall. Feels like third round's probably a better area for him. Uh, sure. Kate Otten from Washington. That, that's a guy who could go in round four. That's that's we've seen them kind of uh, like to take a guy there. And Dalton Schultz is the one that definitely rings a bell. I've heard a lot of good things about the kid from UCLA. I think it's Dulich or Dulich or whatever his name is. Uh, Dulich, Dulich. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That feels very. He feels like a top fifty pick, right? And and I and I, I don't have a problem if 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 they take a tight end in in the. I don't know, maybe not second round, but like third, fourth round, like it makes sense to me. I really, I mean, they're just not, this isn't a draft that has, you know, the, you know, the previous years where you've had like the Eric Ebrons or the Kyle Pitts and, you know, several others that these tight ends go like high in the first round. This draft doesn't have anybody like that, but you still can get a guy because here's the thing with tight end. Like it's not a very, it's the opposite of wide receiver. They're not getting trained in college to play like they do in the pros. It's very difficult to find. I mean, look at, we'll just use, pretend like you know nothing about tight end, just but what you see from the Cowboys. Like, 
you were surprised by, if you're being honest, you're surprised by the production you've seen these last two years from Dalton Schultz when you go back to him as a rookie, yes. second year player. You did not, it takes some time. It takes, it, you're not, you're, the step in, in in week or year one and be this productive pass catching tight end who can block and do his L, it's, that's not happening. So that's why if you want to invest a third, fourth round pick, maybe even a second well, to get it, this player that might be a guy in a couple of years that is your guy, I think it's worth it. Dalton Schultz coming out was wiry. You know, yeah. so to me, that was the thing was his physical, he's just bigger and it's made him a, it's made him a serviceable blocker. He's not a good blocker. I mean, he's like, well, he's, he's fine. He's not a great blocker. He's yeah. fine. But getting bigger was so important to his development and that had to happen. And the Cowboys recognized that. I just remember after they drafted Dalton Schultz, I went back and watched just some of his highlights. And I, I remember if he, he had like three or four touchdowns his last year at Stanford. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if not. 90% all of them or 80% whatever I'm almost positive every single one was one of it, it was scored on one of those typical like Stanford sets where everybody they bring in the extra tight end there's not a receiver on the field they're all super tight on the goal line it just is screaming everybody we're running the football and then they snap it and then the quarterback drops back and then the one tight end is just wide open in the end zone that's how Dalton Schultz was scoring there was not seam routes there wasn't the stuff that you've seen him do the last two years with the Cowboys he's obviously gotten better at that and I I mean yeah you can get obviously like a Kyle Pitts and stuff like that premium pick early in the first round but like most tight ends aren't going to be like that it's going to take them some time so why not get a guy right now that you can kind of develop into being you know, I mean, look at how many first round picks, though, even at tight end of just, I mean, the OJ Howards, uh, uh, Evan Ingram, like there's just there's a lot of like yeah. hype behind a lot of these guys. And it's the 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 success off of college to pro is just not there like you see at wide receiver and some other positions. No. I love that you closed it out with Cade York, the kicker from LSU <laughs> in the sixth round. I mean, it, it, dude, it's not fair. Cade York and I'll throw, can I throw out Gabriel? Uh, I'm sorry, Garibay from Texas Tech. There and Dicker, go. the kicker from Texas. Yeah. I know it's like, but those guys are actually probably going to get drafted or they will be signed to a team. So, yeah, I, I, in a way, I kind of think it could be like, uh, I think I wrote it in the article, like, can't you probably remember this back in 2011, where it was like, you know, they're bringing in like the Shane Grahams and I think David Bueller and guys like that. But then they also had an undrafted rookie free agent in Dan Bailey. And it was like, let's go to camp and we'll compete. And, and the best kicker went, and it was Dan Bailey. And this draft could very much be the same exact thing where it's yeah. like, we'll bring in a veteran, but then we're going to bring in like a couple of guys that were undrafted. We're not going to invest a pick, but we're going to let these guys compete and we'll see who wins the job. And maybe that's how they end up doing it. I'm not saying that they're going to draft a kicker, but it's, it's certainly a big need, you know, and from what I, everything I've read, a lot of people view York as, as, as the best kicker in the draft. Cool. Well, dude, that's a you got a, hey, you got a problem with that at, at six, no. in the sixth round. If you if Set. let's say he ends up being your kicker for seven or eight years, ten years, like I think it's worth it. Uh, my problem is like when teams like uh, when if there's a clear guy, and I don't know that there is, but if there's a clear guy at punter or kicker, yeah, my problem is when teams end up not pulling the trigger fast enough, and they end up getting the second best guy rather than the consensus yeah. guy, like Michael Dixon, the punter from Seattle. Well, a lot of teams liked him. They're like, well, if you're going to do it, you got to go pull the trigger on that guy if you really like him that much. Yeah, and I think you get a different if you're talking second round. We need to get to the back. We need to get to the back half of day three before we start talking about any of this stuff, right? Sure. But in the fifth round, back of the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, if you like your guy, go get him. Right. Um, let's. Uh, you were at the game the other night. Were you in no, New Orleans God. Saturday? I did. I yeah. Go. How was it? 
I drove to New Orleans uh, and had planned to stay there through tonight if Duke had won. Uh, they unfortunately lost. Um, uh, I can tell you that as a Duke fan, it was at no point did I enjoy any of it. Uh, <laughs> close games like that, like they're just as soon as your team makes a run, the other team comes back and they answer right back. Like uh, a lot of superstitious things uh, ended up. I didn't like the way they're playing the first half. So I left my seat, watched the entire second half from a standing room only spot. Uh, that wasn't the best of you, uh, you know, cha- taking off shirts, changing shirts, uh, you know, standing in different places, uh, you know, trying to just do anything. Um, uh, but unfortunately, I mean, hey, hats off to Carolina, man. They've been balling. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely one of the toughest like sports uh, losses just because that Carolina not only ended Krzyzewski's last game in Durham, but then to end yeah. them in the final four like that doesn't just get knocked away in like, you know, I don't know the next 10 years, that one's going to live for a while. But, um, like a good friend of mine texted me, he's like, yeah, but if they would have won that game with how good of a game that was, and you didn't go because, you know, you were like too scared to like your, to risk it and, you know, invest the time and the money to go, you would have regretted it. And he's absolutely right. So, uh, it sucked, but it is what it is. Um, you know, you just got to do these things sometimes in life, you know? For those of you who might have only started listening to the pod in the <laughs> past year, John loves March Madness. He often goes to the sports book in Vegas to watch it, you know, hang out, take it all in. So a colleague of ours set up a little get together for John's birthday. It's like, hey, John's <laughs> got some friends in town to watch March Madness. We're going to surprise him for his birthday because he's going to be uh, watching. So like, great. So KT and I show up. We're waiting for John. And John thinks he's just showing up to watch March Madness with some friends who are in town, right? Uh, it was good. He walks in and sees KT and I, and the look of, oh, now I have to talk to these a-holes I just talk to people. went right true. across his bitch. face, and it was so priceless. I wish I had it on video for our no, listeners no, to no, see. No, just like, true. oh, man, KT and Kent are here. What? No, I thought I was no, just going to no. be hanging out with my friends watching March Madness <laughs> not, and not these dudes. Not true at all. And plus, so and plus, Duke wasn't even playing that night, so it's fine. No, oh, I was great was though. Great. I, I mean, I was. I've never been like that surprised. I didn't expect any of that. I didn't see any. And I had some friends come down from Michigan too that I didn't know were coming down. No, that was. You guys killed that man. That was awesome. Like, and I felt bad too because I see KT and it's like this is like twenty minutes, if that, maybe ten minutes after the Devontae Adams trade. And and I just oh the oh. trade went down while we were waiting for you yeah yeah, yeah. that sucked I uh, hate, my phone I hate started blowing up <laughs> yeah. he was decked out in Packers gear too it he was, was not he playing was, yeah. it was so yeah. it was so good <laughs> yeah uh, man that was good to see you John and we need to make that happen that was popular fun. guy I only got to talk to him for like five minutes you know he had to <laughs> that was had fun, to shake though. hands and kiss babies and all that good <laughs> stuff you know he's a popular guy KT um, did John Batiste deserve album of the year. <laughs> You know, that's like, I didn't listen to that full album. So I kind of like, when he won, I was kind of surprised because I, again, I didn't listen to that full album. I thought, I, sure, thought, the album, I thought the album of the year was going to go to Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, I if thought. I was a betting person, I probably would have bet on that. But she won uh, uh, most of the other awards she was up for, right? Like, I think she won Best Pop. She won Best New Artist, you best know. Best New Artist. But right. like, yeah, you know, you're right though. When you said album of the year, I was surprised. Like, where's the? Uh, I thought 
did did Silk did the Silk Sonic album not make the album of the year nominee? I don't think it was for some reason, but maybe I'm crazy. Uh, their performance, even if you don't even like whatever, you cannot like them, whatever you think, uh, or if you do like them. I urge everyone to just go out of your way and just watch the the Silk Sonic performance to open up the night. I mean, that was incredible. Those guys were kicking butt. They were on. That was fire. a cool. That was a cool album. I thought it was kind of gimmicky. For sure. So I don't. I don't yeah. know if ten years down the line we'll be like, man, that was kind of a weird thing we were doing. When we were bringing funk back in 2022. I, will that stand the test of time? I don't know. Maybe this John Batiste record was was the most classic album of all of them. I don't know. I haven't heard all of the albums. I've heard a you know a handful of them, but uh, yeah, His song I didn't watch still, any of it. Did did anybody get? I don't slapped? see. I don't see. Uh, Silk Sonic was nominated for album of the year. You're right. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, but, you know, no one got slapped, uh, but it was worth it. There was a lot of cool things that happened, like the Silk Sonic speech too, where basically they're just kind of bragging and talking about how drinks were on them. Doja Cat won an award and she was running back and she was uh, she's running back from the bathroom. That was kind of funny. Um, or anything, it's more of a concert, you know. Oh, Billy Eilish's performance was incredible. I, th- I thought it was a good night. I'm a, and I don't even like I'm not even like huge on some of this music, but I thought it was brilliant. What they've done to turn it into like just a one big concert with like eight awards, but these huge monster concert cool. sets just wheeled in and out. There's so much money poured into it. It's really Really cool. Again, watch Silk Sonic to open the night. The way they do the crossover performances too, with you know blending artists, I think is really neat. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah, they take like you know like how the Oscars should come come across real snobby. I know this year there was excitement, but they can come across real snobby. It's totally different. It's like all these people are all dancing and singing along to each other's songs. It's always like real cool. I always like the Grammys. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna do this next time, so uh, we'll see you then. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, everyone check out John's work. Uh, Mavs playoff run, all the, all the stuff, the athletic baseball this week. So make sure you're checking in with Levi as well. Bob's doing his stuff. Oh, uh, Sod and the Stars. My God. So much stuff on the athletic. And uh, we'll have more on About Them Cowboys next week. For Father John Mashota, that's our producer, Kent Garrison. I'm KT. See you next week. Bye. I never say anything like this.